Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We're a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. The reason why I wanted another week is is because I want to drill home my point. The, the, The idea is this, that we are living in a day where messages are coming from everywhere. We're being inundated with messages from everywhere. And if you don't learn how to hear God's voice, then you're not going to be able to discern actually where all of those messages are and where they're leading you to. We live in a day, and this isn't going to be some heavy downer type thing, but it's a reality thing. We live in a day where everybody is competing for your heart and soul. They want to turn you to their side, turn you to their way, turn you into what they want you to be. We're seeing it happen in our schools education-wise as young as five years old. uh, The voices that are teaching our children, they're trying to tell them things that are not true, things that are not biblical, things that are not worthy. Uh, As it says in Philippians 4, 8, 9, the things we're to meditate on are not being taught to our five, six, and seven-year-olds. And if your message in your home does not coincide with this message, then you are agreeing with what they're being taught, and they are not going to know the right way when it's their day to be an adult. Our society is being groomed. You're being groomed. And you may not even be aware that you're being groomed. And unless you know the voice of God, unless you understand that God is still speaking, he's still leading, he's still guiding, he's still alive and well, then you're going to be more prone to be groomed than you are to be led. And God wants to lead us on pathways of righteousness for his name's sake. God is looking for his children to be able to determine who's speaking to them and what is being said. And so if you can't hear the voice of God, then you're going to not hear the voice that is going to lead you into that protective place. We live in an hour where you're going to be challenged in your faith. Trust me. This isn't stuff that... It happens somewhere else anymore. It's happening right now. I just uh, watched a video of at least 20 different news articles that are written about Christian nationalism and Christians being this and Christians being that. They are wanting to get at the core of who you are and challenge you. Are you going to be able to stand in the day of persecution? Now, the one way to know the right way is to know the voice of God. When you know the voice of God, you cannot be led astray. You cannot be a puppet for any kind of way somebody wants you to go. You cannot be groomed by a society that wants you to 100% walk away from God. They want God to be a fantasy and a fairy tale, and they want their way to be the way. Listen, 
Tolerance is good for everyone else but the Christians. Everybody needs to tolerate what everyone else does, except they don't tolerate what we want to believe. You've got to know what you believe. This is not an hour where you can wonder if you believe the things of God. The things of God have to be the things that you're going to hold on to. And if you cannot hear the voice of God, you're going to be wondering and, and, and you're going to be di discouraged. You're going to be disillusioned. And I'm telling you, God wants to speak to you. He is still alive and well. And he's speaking to us every day of our lives. We have to know what we're hearing. We have to be able to discern God's voice from the voice of the world. Now, we've been discussing over the last several weeks, I've been saying to you that there's 10 ways that God speaks to us. 10 ways. And these are the things that I predominantly know and use in my own life. I know that you could add, I know if I asked Gary Larson to add 11, he could easily do it. And Bill Broats could add 12. But I want to focus on these 10 and I want you to see that one of the things that I have provided for you this week, you should have three handouts. And if you don't, we're going to get them to you. And if you don't use them, that's not on me. As your pastor, it is my job to equip you to make it in what we're doing. Because you were never designed just to make it. You are always designed to be an overcomer. Come on, somebody. Yeah. You are designed to not walk through this world with your head looking at your feet. You are designed to look up to the one and only God who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ever imagine. But we've got to be prepared. The first handout that I gave you says, be a doer of the word. And this is going to be a part of my message today. These three things of how do you begin to hear the voice of God? The second handout I gave you is called Tabernacle Prayer. And in this uh, handout here, it is a designed method to help you pray for more than five minutes. So many people tell me, I just run out of things to pray at five minutes. Well, that's, let me help you. Let me help you. So this is designed to pray through the pieces of the tabernacle. And this is coming from the outer courts of the tabernacle into the place of the Holy of Holies. Don't worry about all the minutia of the tabernacle. Realize that when we get to, to start to pray, we start at the cross. And we thank God for salvation and healing, redemption from the curse, the Holy Spirit, His provision. Then we go to the laver. It's the place where they washed themselves. It was a a bowl that had a mirror image into it so they could actually look into that bowl as they cleansed themselves and see who they were. And here we repent from any known sin. We offer our bodies and mind to the Lord. We purpose to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. And that's how this continues. You can pray all of those things. The third handout I gave you is from a book by Dick Eastman. And... Um, it's called The Hour That Changes the World. And he breaks the hour into 12 sections where you can spend five minutes on each section. The first is praise. Uh, it's taking five minutes to just praise God. The second phase is just take five minutes to, to, to be still and know that he is God. And it goes into 12 realms of how to, uh, to pray that will bring your prayer time into one hour and it'll go like this, it'll go like that. Yeah. 
Okay, I already hear you. I ain't got an hour to, to do anything. Well, you better make one. Well, pastor, I already get up at 6.30. Okay, get up at 5.30. What do you want? What do you want me to tell you? Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> you got up at 6.30? Come on. Come on. God will give you the grace to get up at 5.30 and just spend time with him. I'd settle for you starting out with getting up at 6.15 and then trying 6 and then trying 5.45, working your way into that. Why am I saying all this? Because we live in an hour where not only is it critical to be able to hear God's voice, but it's, it's uh, uh, critical to know that it, it's, it can be done and it's not difficult. Okay? So when we look through the list of 10 things that we were talking about when I said there's 10 ways that God speaks to you through an audible voice, today we're going to quickly look at dreams and visions and prophecy. Through angels he speaks, he speaks through the prophets, through the wisdom of believers. That was in our first uh, part of this series, through his word. We know that every time that we open the word of God, what's the first thing you do when you open your word? You pray, Holy Spirit, lead me and show me what you want me to see out of that word. John chapter 16, he is our guide and he reveals the future truths to us. So why not go to him about the word? He speaks through Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and he speaks through the discerning of spirits. You know that check that you get when you're in the middle of something and something tells your mind, uh-uh, that's not, that's a discerning of spirits. That's God's voice coming to you and saying, uh-uh, okay? So I don't know how he speaks to you when you, your spirit's discerning things, but my spirit says, uh-uh, that's what I hear when, when I'm discerning something's not right. Now, we've seen time and time again, and one of the scriptures that I talked about early in this message was Deuteronomy 28, okay? Turn on your phone, turn on your iPad, turn in whatever you got, that has the Word of God on it, and, and turn to that for me. I still like my Bible because it smells good. Mm. I love to smell the pages of my Bible. Yes, I am 60, and I do still have AOL as my provider. <laughs> Y'all are just jealous. Hallelujah. What does it say? <laughs> what does it really? Another one of my AOL friends over there. Hallelujah. In Deuteronomy 28, let me simplify this. Now it shall come to pass, if, everybody say if. Yeah. If you diligently obey what? The voice of the Lord. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. Verse 2, and all, the all these blessings, the things that are in the next passages, all of these blessings shall come upon you, and they won't just come upon you, they'll overtake you. Now, how cool is that? I mean, we have a God that doesn't just want us to uh, uh, know these blessings, but they're going to be like, all y'all ever swam in the ocean 
and you were body surfing on a big wave and it just like took you to the top and threw you into the sand. My first trip to California, I got tossed into the, to the, to the sand. I didn't think I was, I was like in the spin cycle of a washing machine. He'll overtake you. You won't be able to, you won't be able to find it off. The amount of blessings that will come upon you and overtake you. This isn't about a prosperity message. This is about a reality message. When you obey the voice of God, He moves in your life, He protects you, He keeps you, He watches over you, and all this happens because you obey the voice of the Lord. Blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the country, blessed shall the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herd, the increase of your cattle and offspring. Shall, uh, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be when you come in and blessed you will be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. And they shall come against you one way and flee seven other ways. And it goes all the way down to verse 14. All of the things that occur in your life by obeying the voice of God. These are the things that happen because of that. Now, when we look beyond uh, uh, verse 15, these are all the things that can't happen because you didn't obey. These are all the curses that come upon you in the place of disobedience. And they're much more than the blessings. Listen, it's easier to obey the, Lord of, the, the Lord's voice than to walk out into a place where you are uncovered in the world. Obeying God's voice is a place of covering in your life. If you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. I want to just uh, go over one verse real quickly here. Actually, a, a, a section, a text of Scripture. Acts chapter 2. When we look at Acts chapter 2, we come to the place of verse 16. And I want to start here because I want to mention this. In verse 16, it says, But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Okay? This is the message that the prophet Joel spoke hundreds of years ago. And how does a prophet speak? He gets a download from God. A prophet is not speaking out of the things out of his own heart, the things that he studied, the things that he's learned. He's speaking out of what did I hear from God to say to the people? And hundreds of years ago, before this text in the book of Acts that's going to be repeated by Peter, because these things are going to now come to place in the people's lives, it was spoken by God to a prophet. And this is what is now coming to pass. How cool is that? That all through the Old Testament, the prophets spoke about this, that, and the other. And they've all, you know, the things that, that have came to pass are, 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 are amazing to see. There's still more things to come. But the idea is, in this part of the journey of the kingdom and the church, this is what Peter says. And it shall come to pass, Joel said, as he heard from God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. There is a movement that would like to eliminate this whole idea that the Spirit is alive and well and moves and, and works on our behalf. 
Listen, it's the most beautiful thing when Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14 that I will not leave you as orphans, but that I will come to you. An advocate will come. His, the Holy Spirit will be with you. And in this, I will pour out my, uh, on my, my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall what? Prophesy. What does that mean? That all of us now have a direct line, just like the prophets of old, that God is going to speak to everyone. Everyone. Remember, when Jesus went to the cross, on the, when he was on the cross, it, the Bible says the earth, there was an earthquake, it shook, and it shook to the core of the temple, tore the veil, that place where only priests and it were, were able to go behind, and that veil was torn because what we now have is complete access to that throne room of God, that place where we can hear God for ourselves. Don't underestimate the power of that scripture that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall hear my voice and prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams and on my men servants and my maid servants what will he do I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall what they will prophesy again this is about hearing the voice of God, getting in that place to where we're able to, to not just draw in and wonder, but we can draw in and hear what he has to say. Now, when we look at this idea of, of dreams, turn with me to Gen Genesis real quickly, and we're just going to just go into the most famous dream that I can think of in the Bible, the one I look at every December or every January, I read the story of Joseph. Because I know there's gonna be something that happens in my life that's gonna be, that's gonna challenge me. I'm gonna be challenged somewhere. I need to be able to, to know what I know, believe what I believe, and choose to stand in that thing that I know is right. In Genesis 37, three, it says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was uh, the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. And he said to them, Please hear this dream I have dreamed. There were uh, uh, binding sheaves in the, there we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheath arose above and stood upright. Indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed to my sheath. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream. And it was told to his brothers and, and, and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars bowed to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow uh, down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, uh, but his father kept the matter in mind. Young and old, wisdom, wisdom and, and knowledge, knowledge without wisdom. His father said, what if, he's wondering, what if God is really speaking to him? Go to uh, 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 Genesis 41, 
And here we see, this is the effect of a dream. The dreams that God give us, there's a cause and an effect. Cause and an effect. That, that, that God is showing us something in that dream that's going to bring something uh, across our lives that's going to uh, uh, bring something else alive, per se. Okay? So, 4137 says this in Genesis 41, 37. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of all of his servant. And Pharaoh said to his servant, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? How beautiful is that? Even, even the Pharaoh recognized that in Joseph, God's spirit rested in there. There was something about Joseph that it, it was, it, you, could, you could see the Spirit of God in him. And even, even the Pharaoh noticed it. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all of this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled together to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Now here is Joseph. He is set into the position. Who would have ever thought that when he came to that place of having his dream, that it was going to be this dramatic? How many of you realize that God has a dramatic place for you to be in your life? That there's a, a time and a season and a set position that God has brought you to, to bring you into that part of your destiny that's going to affect the kingdom for all of the years to come. It's amazing. So Joseph got into that place where uh, his power and authority uh, was resting upon him. And then when you go and look at uh, chapter 42, we see in 42 and 43 that the, that the brothers and his father, they were hungry, they were starved, and what did they have to do? They had to come and bow before Joseph, even first when they didn't even know who it was. They were bowing before the person that God put in authority in that position. Isn't it amazing that God put him in that position of authority that his own family could travel to this place and they could find what they needed to survive. See, God puts us in places. Man, if, the, if his jealous brothers would have known this, I don't think they would have ever chucked him down into that well. Amen? Would you agree? And so often, when we get into that place where God is speaking to us, it can create an animosity among other people. Don't worry about other people's animus. Worry about what you're hearing from God and not only what you're hearing, but what are you going to do with it? It's one thing to be a hearer of the word, but it's another thing to be a doer. And I know in my life, there was a day probably back in 1985 when I just got to the place where I had enough of God's word in me that I said, I am all in no matter what. No matter what happens to me, I have pushed my chips into the center of the table. I know I've got the best hand that can ever be played in my life because I'm a child of the Most High God. And now I said, God, you lead me on the path that you want to take me. 
And sometimes you don't realize what you're saying until you're challenged and confronted with where he wants to take you. But I know this, for every place that God has taken me, he has provided his voice in and through something or somebody to get me to the place where I am today. And I'm looking for that fresh manna from God right now to move me in this place from 60 to 70 so that I can be the most effective person for his kingdom because my chips are all in. So I need even now and even a, uh, another fresh word from God. We all need a fresh word from God. Several years ago, we were getting uh, prepared to sell our house in Reynoldsburg. And I had done a lot of research and I thought to myself, I do not need to give somebody 6% of the sale of this house. I think I can do it myself. Back in the day, when you used the term FISBO, people didn't know what that meant. They had no idea what FISBO means, for sale by owner. That's what that means, for sale by owner. And so I just said to Tammy, I said, you know what? We need every dime out of this house to get to the next house that somebody was offering us. And in order to get to this house, I had to have it all. I could not give 6% of it up to get this house. I wouldn't have enough. And so our first house in Reynoldsburg was in at the end. Of, we were at the dead end of a street. It wasn't like cars were passing. It wasn't like people knew for sale by owner. It wasn't like any of those things were, were popular or present. You couldn't. What are these? Uh, Realtor.com. And what's the other one? Uh, Zillow, there was no Zillow, no .com. You had a MLS book that was about this thick that got printed out once a month, but you couldn't get in the MLS book if you were Fizzboing. So we, we did it, we put it up, I got phone calls, and the phone call would go like this. Hey, uh, I need to let you know I'm a realtor, your house looks interesting, I'd love to come over and tell you what I can do to sell it for you. And I was like, look dude, I am not interested in any realtor, thank you, hung up. So it got to the place to where it was a couple weeks and Tammy's like, well baby, maybe we better put this up on the market I, with, with a realtor. I said, no, let's, let's stay focused. Let, let's see how this works out. I really feel like God showed me this is what we should do. And so Megan wakes up one day and she goes and tells her mom, I had a dream. I had a dream. And in this dream, that there were uh, people that called us to want to see the house, and she said, I have to, I have to say to you, because it's, it was a law at that time, I don't know if it is now, if you were a realtor looking at a home for yourself, you had to divulge that you were a realtor. And she said, uh, you know, uh, in this dream, she called and said, I'm a realtor, I want to see your house. And so Megan went on in the dream, they pulled up in our driveway, and Megan said, in the dream, God showed me they were Christians. And so they get out of their car, they're walking up, and you know how we all used to wear our Christian t-shirts back in the day? Come on, somebody. I got a drawer, drawer full of them. Some of them are now at Victory, uh, but some of them are still in my drawer. How many of y'all got that one uh, t-shirt that's got the stains under the armpits, but you just cannot get rid of it? Amen? Anybody? And they're all going to be men who raise their hand on this one. I know, but Megan said that they are, they're going to be Christians. And she said, when they come up to the door, she said, they are going to, how would she, go ahead. It would, it would, it would, 
That's why that's my next point. I agree. Good job, baby. Thank you for keeping the rabbit on the on the rail. Hallelujah. And 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 Megan said, and they they looked through the house and they said, We want to offer you full price. Now, we weren't living in the day. You know, I waited in line a week for this house. You know, when interest rates were 13.9% and you could get the first time home buyers money, I waited. I slept in a lawn chair all night, got up, went to work at Rockwell. Tammy came in, took the lawn chair to keep our place in line to get this great deal of 10.9% financing. And so Megan lays all this out. People call, hey, I gotta let you know, I'm a realtor, but we're interested in your house. Could we come and see it? I said, yes, but I'm letting you know right now, I'm not interested in you selling my house. She said, I assure you, my husband and I are coming because we want to look at this house for ourselves. They pull in, walk out, both got Christian t-shirts. They come in, I didn't say a word. I knew, there was no doubt in my mind, these were the people. And I knew what was gonna happen because God would not give a descriptive dream like that to a little kid. How would she know pay full price? Come on. I know dad talks a lot, but I don't think he talked that much during that day. So they come in, knock on the door. Wow, Christian t-shirts. Good to see you guys, come on in. You know, small talk, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor, he's a pastor. Okay, this is great. They said, we'd like to go in the backyard. Do you do? Go upstairs, downstairs, look wherever you want. They do that for less than a half hour. They come back in and sit down and they said, hey, you know, this is probably crazy, but we want you to know we want to buy this house and we're going to pay you full price. And so here is Megan's dream that completely came to pass for exactly what we needed because God was with us in the midst of that. Listen, God wants to be with you in the midst of every cycle of your life, everything that's going on. Why? Because when you obey the voice of the Lord in Deuteronomy 28, then God brings these things across your path. We needed that word because I was very, very close to putting the house on the market. We're at the dead end street. It wasn't like people were driving in to see it. But because of that encouragement, we said, no, 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 we are going to see this play out. And so my, my oldest daughter can never deny that God speaks to, to you. She saw it play out right in her life as a teenager. So God will speak to us, through us, and in us in any way possible. And the dreams are a very active way that he does that. Now, I get it. I have some cheese pizza dreams, okay? I get it. I, I don't know why God wants me back on the football field on Friday night throwing touchdown passes at Reynoldsburg High School. I get it. That's probably not a God dream. Unless... He's like, dude, you are amazing. I just wanted to let you dream this dream so I could see that touchdown pass again. I, now, I don't know. I'm not saying that God wouldn't do that. Yeah, Tom Brady. I'm the 60-year-old goat still throwing touchdown passes. Right here, baby. And the only problem is now i got to throw them left-handed because you, you're still working on this one. So turn with me to Acts chapter 10 real briefly. Real briefly. God uses visions. Visions are waking dreams where you're just sitting and you're just thinking and pondering and all of a sudden, like an action film begins to appear before you. Okay? Uh, uh, Acts chapter 10. 
and, and I'm going to paraphrase this because this is, there's four messages in Acts chapter 10. I've preached them all. And this is one of the most amazing chapters of the entire Bible. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a certain man, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. He was a leader of troops, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming to him and, and saying, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and alms have come up for a memorial before God. How cool is that? That what this dude did got recognized in heaven. How good is that? How many of you would like to do something where, where Jesus nudges the Father and says, God, look at Connie. Check this out. you got to see this. Hey, hey, God, look at Mark. you got to see this. This is amazing. That what you did came up as a memorial in the places of heaven. Incredible stuff. And then what happened was, it comes down to verse 9. The next day, as they went, into, uh, uh, went on their journey, they drew near a city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray in the sixth Hour and when he become very when he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they made it ready, he fell into a trance. This is another ideology of what a vision is. Okay, and so when he was in this this trance, he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and was let down on the earth. In it were all kinds of four footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him. A voice. Came came to him, arise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him and again a second time said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. So he, God was just breaking some, some Old Testament bonds there and, and saying, look, what I put on the earth, you have dominion over it, eat it. And this was done three times. And again, the object was taken up into heaven. Now, Peter wondered within himself what this vision he had seen meant. The men and then the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. The spirit said to him. Jesus said to him, you see, see what's happening here? A, 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 a vision came, a dream came, and in the dream, an angel spoke to him. You see how this works? Angels, ministering spirits on our behalf, spoke to him. Jesus came, spoke to him. The spirit came and spoke to him. Why? Because something amazing was about to go down. Something amazing that was going to change the course of history was going down. And it was going down because of visions and angels speaking and Jesus speaking and the Spirit speaking. And what came out of that encounter was now God was going to minister to the Gentiles in a natural way. This was not just a Jewish thing anymore. This was an everybody thing now. 
And because of the obedience of the centurion soldier who said, if God, if you speak, then I'm sending my men. And they, they did. They obediently went. Then the voice said to Peter, I sent these men to you. You need to listen. Why did he say before? Don't worry about these things you call common. Don't call anything common anymore. Why? Because he was sending them the Gentiles. And so when he began to minister, it was just a mind-boggling experience. And then what happened at the end of the chapter was, verse 44, listen to this. While Peter was still speaking these words, he was telling them, he was laying out the gospel for them. While he was still speaking these words, I love this. God couldn't wait. The Holy Spirit couldn't wait. He just couldn't wait. I know you think, you know, everything's just... This is the reality. When, the, when, when Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anyone possibly now forbid these guys to be water baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have received? This is what happens when God speaks. Something is going to come on the outside of that that is going to change something in your life. When God speaks, he's not just he's not like us. Who just say, hey, Cave, how you doing, bud? Good. How you doing, buddy? Yeah. Caleb loves when I tell him that. How you doing, buddy? And he texts me back, buddy. Err. <laughs> That's just the way I talk to people. How you doing, buddy? That's good. Buddy, how you doing? You know, you know, our baseball team got, we lost again. You know, it's like, okay, well, you're not doing very good, buddy. Okay, so <laughs> that's not the way God talks. When God talks... What was that one, is it Merle Lynch, when, uh, when they talk, they mean business, or, you know, one of the, what is it? E.F. Hutton. E. Hutton. What's it, how's that go? When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. When he, why? Because he's got something to say about making them money. And everybody wants to listen to that. But God's got way more in mind than just money. Come on now. He's got purpose and direction, and it's amazing. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Anybody else excited about hearing the voice of God other than me? Because I'm telling you what, I am so excited to hear the voice of God. You know why? Because whatever happens, whatever comes against me, I know what he said in Deuteronomy, that my enemies are not only going to fail in what they're attempting to do, but they're going to scatter seven different ways. So there must be a lot of enemies, huh? How many would you like to see your enemies scattered seven different ways? Amen. I'm telling you, when I crawled out of that car in February and the enemy failed to kill me, failed to kill me. I would have loved to seen in the spirit how those enemies are scattering seven different ways. When what I perceived as an angel stopped that car before it creamed over the cliff. Famous line in Lord of the Rings, you shall not pass. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I doubt the angel was named Gandalf. I don't know what it was, but I'm digging whoever and whatever it was that kept me 
I mean, you know, I was at the place. I said this before the car flipped. Well, Jesus, I guess I'm going to get to meet you today. Everybody asked, well, didn't like Tammy pass before your mind? And didn't like your nine grandkids? No, in that eight seconds, none of that happened. I was preparing to meet Jesus and was totally fine with it. But he wasn't ready to receive me yet, okay? Now, so when we get into these positions where we're trusting God, all of these things happen to you. 1 Corinthians 14. Okay, now this flies in the face of everyone who have said God fails to speak anymore. 1 Corinthians 13, somewhere in the middle, is what people use to say, well, God doesn't need to speak to us anymore because we have his word. Oh, yes, he does. And I'm looking for everybody who's watching this. Oh, yes, he does. He still wants to speak to us. Still wants to speak to us. I mean, he sent his son to the cross so the veil could be torn so he could have personal... Why would he stop? Why would he stop? 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. Love it. Pursue love. Just love on people. Desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may what? Why? Why, Why do you think that's so important? Why do you think God would want to say, there's all of these eight other spiritual gifts, there's all of these other things that go on in the Bible, but he says, do them all, dig them all, want them all, but especially that you would prophesy. Why? Because that's a personal interaction that's not only going to touch you, but most likely then it's going to touch somebody else. That you would prophesy. I've been trying to get Tammy's attention for weeks. Give me a download. Tammy, I just feel like God just said to me, for you, okay, that's great. Well, uh, Kim is thinking, she's running around, got all this stuff going on, got a lot of things to wonder. Wow. And she comes next Sunday, and she sits in the chair to receive a prophetic word, and three people say something to her uh, that God is showing her. It's uh, 100% directed to what she's been wondering and struggling through, wanting wanting direction in, and God lays it on her lap. That's good stuff, folks. Folks, that is good stuff that God wants to be that way in our lives. Turn to your handout now. Turn to your handout. It's one thing to know God speaks, but it's another thing to know how to prepare for him to speak. Now, I am 100% convinced. People will say to me, well, how did you get the direction for that time of ministry. It was, it was amazing. Do you see all those people that got touched? Well, because when I was doing this, the Holy Spirit was doing this. Do you understand what I'm saying here? When, when we're worshiping God, something incredible happens. It's the initial connection that we make with God. Every time I, I confront our worship team with, with uh, accolades. I tell them, thank you for what you do, because what you do opens us up to the possibility of having an encounter with God. Every time we strike this chord, this is not for entertainment purpose. There's sometimes, I'm not going to lie to you, when it's so good, I hit Tammy on the side and said, dude, this is unreal. I mean, I capture the normal moment of what's going on. 
But most times, it's, wow, this is unreal. As I'm lifting my praise up to God, I can feel and sense and know He is right next to me. He's, he's in me. He, he wants to speak to me. I know it when I'm in the midst of worship. Number one thing, when you want to start practicing hearing the voice of God, is you begin your time of being with Him by worshiping Him. Begin your time in being with Him by worshiping Him. If you have Pandora, if you have, what's the other ones? Spotify. Spotify. iTunes, this tune, that tune. If you got the tunes, if you got a phone, you got the tunes. Okay, I'm old again. I'm going to confess. I, I, I laid on Pandora. My wife has grown up into Spotify now. I'm really proud of her. She's really, she's really cool. But I, I'm Pandora. I got Gateway Worship. I got Elevation Worship. I got uh, what's the, Maverick City Worship. I got all of those. And I can find out how to get to Hosanna Worship. Uh, it's still there. I can get to Vineyard Worship, Winds of Worship. John, come on, how good is Winds of Worship series? That's amazing stuff right there. I can get all of that right here. I got, I got like 16 volumes of Winds of Worship on here, and I can go back to all of those songs that initiated the movement for intimate worship in our lives. First thing we do in our day is we push play. First thing you need to do in your day is push play. Push play. Go to that gateway, and there's all kinds of Hispanic worship. You got good news. There's, there's worship, Liberian worship. I mean, there's Nigerian worship. There's Kenyan worship. I mean, I don't care what, what place you're from. You can get it right here. First thing that I do in the morning, and, and uh, Tammy and I were milling around this morning, and we were kind of, you know, we weren't grinding with each other. We were grinding about the things of society and, you know, having one of those conversations, you know, and I'm telling her, you know, I'm preaching today. I've got to get these people to understand how important it is to hear the voice of God because the enemy's attacking like crazy, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We need to push play. We need to push play before we made that a part of our day. We need to push play. And we began to worship, and it changed the whole environment of, of what we were thinking, what we were saying. We just began to worship God. And I'm telling you, Psalm 22 tells us that God is enthroned. He's enthroned in the praises of Israel. Why do words matter? Why are these words in here? Because they do matter. And the verb enthrone indicates that wherever God's people exalt his name, he is ready to manifest his presence and kingdom power in the way that is most appropriate for that particular setting. Whenever we begin to worship God, he is enthroned. What does that mean? The word enthroned actually means sitting or remaining or dwelling somewhere. So the Bible says that when people praise God, that's where he comes. He comes to sit. He comes to dwell. He comes to hang out. He comes to be a part of that experience. What happens relationally when you call people around, whether you call people over for a euchre party, you call them over for a cookout, you call them over for fireworks. What happens when they come around? Conversation happens. 
Conversation happens. Why would it be any different when God comes around? He's enthroned. He sits with his people. He, he dwells with us. And not only that, the Bible is clear. Uh, he lives in us. Why would he not want to make that connection? The greatest miracle of all is not a hand growing out or a check being written. It's when the spirit of one man connects with the spirit of God. And they become unified as one. That's the greatest miracle. Why do you think that's where the greatest battle is waged? The greatest battles are waged for the souls of men. The word enthroned actually means sitting, remaining, or dwelling somewhere. And worship is the key to fully entering into his presence. I wrote here, praise releases God's glory. And when he is present... He can, uh, through His Holy Spirit, He can respond in many ways. So we have to prepare the table for what's going to come towards us. First thing, prepare the table for God to come. Number two, be still. Jew, this is the hardest thing for, for me to do. I mean, I've told all of you that I would pass every ADD, HD, QT, PC, every one of those tests with flying colors. I mean, I can be at my table at the restaurant listening to their conversation, their conversation, their conversation, and be fully in tune to my own conversation. So things capture my attention all the time. But when I'm in that place where God is with me, I know how to be still and be reverent in that moment. Psalm 130, verse 6. Everyone, you know, you can write down Psalm 46, verse 10 as well. But in this psalm says what meant the most to me. And I'll tell you why. You helping me, Zeke? I love that boy. When I go to bed at night, I cannot wait to wake up. Now, with this shoulder surgery, I, would, I wake up all the time. Two o'clock, four o'clock, six o'clock, you know, I'd like to get more sleep. But the MO of my life is that people say, are you a morning person? Yep, I'm a morning person. They say, are you a night person? Yep, I'm a night person. Well, how can you be a morning and a night? Because sleep's not all it's cracked up to be. You know, I feel like I'm missing something if I go to bed too early. I feel like, you know, wow, what, what more? Could I, could I do something with God? Could I be with him more? Can I read more? So it's not uncommon for me to go to bed at 12 and get up at 530. I'm a morning and an evening person. But the, 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 this psalm says everything. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who wait for the morning. Yes, more than those who wait for the morning. Listen to this. The psalmist is, is painting an incredible picture here that really strikes a chord with me. I can't wait for the new day. You know why? Because God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So I know that when I wake up, his mercies are going to be prepared for me that day. I need to learn how to walk in the midst of them. I need to learn not to hang my head when I get up. Oh, it's Monday. What's wrong with Monday? Monday's an incredible day. You know how many mon good Mondays you've missed because you've used that love? Oh, it's God's Monday. What? <laughs> Monday's a great day. 
Come on, man. Woo, Monday. Monday, Monday. Can't forget that day. What is wrong with Monday? I apologized to Monday one time for the bad rap it always gets. Listen, God never makes a bad day. He never makes a bad day. You think Monday's bad because you chilled out on Saturday and Sunday. I work Sundays, okay? Would you want me to get up on Sunday and say, Sunday? <laughs> no, S Sunday is a great day. Monday is a great day, okay? So if God's mercies are new every morning, if he is faithful, then that faithful God is who I need to connect with first thing in the morning so that my identity for that day is not built on the morning news. It is, born, it is built on the news from heaven. Right. Mm -mm -mm. What is Psalm 118.24? What does that say? Something? Somebody let me know. I love that. I love that verse. Hallelujah. The psalmist begins with, My soul waits for the Lord more than those who wait for morning. More than those who wait for morning. we got to get ourselves into a place to where it's exciting to just sit. Worship Him 5, 10, 15 minutes, then just be with Him. And then allow Him to speak. Now, there's three ways that I know that, that people uh, dissect information, okay? And how do you know which voice is speaking to you? Which voice is speaking to you? There's the voice of the flesh, that, that, that voice that, that we're creating, those thoughts in our mind. There's the voice of the enemy who speaks things into our existence as well. And the third thing is, is there is the voice of God, like we're talking here. What does the voice of flesh sound like? Well, it sounds pretty secular. It sounds like something that's me only oriented. This is just about me. It sounds like buying into what somebody is selling because it's gonna make life easier for you. It, it deems things acceptable that should not be accepted by anyone who loves the Lord. When we hear things in our flesh, it's usually a worldly transaction that we want to make in us and through us that's going to benefit only us. So when what is spoken to you is, is just simply all about you, now God will touch you in ways that are only good for you. I'm not talking about that way. I'm talking about when it's all about you thinking about what's good for you. What does it sound like when things are spoken demonically? Go to Acts chapter 5. And no, no, do not go there. Write down Acts chapter 5. That's your homework. You look that up. Acts chapter 5. That's where a couple people were thinking about doing something good, but then they lied about it. And then what happened then was, is, you know, it wasn't nice to try to fool God in that moment. Now, when we are spoken to demonically, what is that like? What is that like when a, a demonic thought comes in? Now, here's an interesting thing that I learned in Jack, Pastor Hayford's school of pastoral nurture. Jack Hayford 
the only guy I just put just a fraction above Will or Jarvis, I mean a fraction. He's sitting at his desk one day preparing a message and out of nowhere as he's digging into the words comes this most perverse thought that could ever enter into his mind. Now how in the world are you preparing a message, you're reading the word, you're in tune with God and you get hit with a left hook of a satanic thought. Well, you got to know that when something that is so foul comes into your mind, that that is a thought uh, that the enemy wants to give you. If it is a thought of lies, what is a lie? When you have a thought in your mind, I'll never amount to anything. That is a lie. You cannot receive that any longer. When you have a thought that you look in the mirror, you say, I'm not pretty. That is a lie. When you look in the mirror as a man and you say, I'm worthless, that is a lie. And those are thoughts from the pits of hell. That's how you know that's not God speaking to you. Because my Bible says that you are perfectly and wonderfully made and that he was involved in the process. He even chose the womb that you would be in. And if that's the case, you need to start looking in the mirror and saying, I am exactly what God wanted me to be. I am good looking. I am strong. I'm smart. What's the other one in that movie? I smart. I what? I kind. And I'm important. That's right. And when next time a lie comes in, you look at yourself in the mirror and say that. I kind. I smart. And I'm what? I'm pretty. I'm important. You are important. And see, that's why when people tell me I've been beat down all my life and I was always told I wouldn't amount to anything, I'm like, that is a lie. Throw it back. When a demonic thought comes in, you need to just say, Satan, I bind you. You have no space in my disc. You have no place in my memory. No place. Now, what, those are like biggies. What about this one? What about when you get to the place where you have this thought, man, I hate them. I hate them. I used to say, I hate the Yankees. I'm a Dodger fan. I hate the Yankees. I used to say, I hate that Michigan. I mean, you know, and then it's like one day it's like, hey, you know, God was knocking on my, hey, I love the people in Michigan, too. It's like, how, God? How could you possibly love that team up north? But he assured me he did. So hate thoughts, okay? Uh, what about this? Thoughts that create envy or jealousy. How many times has somebody been promoted? And I know this is not everybody, so don't, don't jump into this pool. But you said something like, how in God's name did that dude get that job? How in the world did that lady end up with that six figures? And then you're like, oh, congratulations on the job. You say, that's, that's wonderful. Can you believe that? <laughs> this is God. Congratulations. Do you know you can find nine people to cry with you, but you'll only find one that will celebrate your success? Come on, folks, let's be celebration people yeah. of other people's success. Yeah. I still can't believe she got it, though. <laughs> How about your actions when you get cut off on the freeway? Oh, that's free. 
crazy idiot. God loves you. Hallelujah. You do all this kind of stuff and screaming, and then you drive by with your ichfus on the back of your car. You're a little fish. You're a little fish on the back. You know, uh, that thing that says you're a Christian. Okay? Those are, those are demonic thoughts. Last Friday, uh, uh, mom and dad, I love you guys. You're the best, and I love serving you. But Tammy and I last week had other plans, and we were going to go somewhere else. And we get a call, says mom needs us. We were headed down to Hocking Hills. I told my wife that day, we ain't doing nothing for nobody. Nothing for no one. We ain't doing nothing for no one. And so I pumped gas into the car, headed down to Hocking Hills. We're going to look at chairs for our birthday. This is going to be our day. And we get the call. And so we put gas in the car, and we both looked at each other and said, hey, you know what? We're not going to go there. We're not getting upset. We're not going to get uh, down. We're not going to get riled. We're not going to get, you know, wait, well, let's go. Mom needs us. Boom, we're going. And so we go there and we take care of mom a little bit. Mom's got an appointment later. We got a little window of time. I said to Tammy, Tammy said to me, let's go get the apples for our applesauce. We're already here in Pataska. Let's just go to Utica and we'll do the do and blah, blah, blah. So I'm getting ready to buy Tammy two rocking chairs for her birthday. And I was going to pull the Cracker Barrel chairs, you know, those that you rock in. We've looked at those for 15 years, and I just finally said to myself, dude, go buy your wife rocking chairs. Why would you not buy your wife rocking chairs? So we go up to the apple orchard, get our apples for applesauce. What would you think is in this barnstool apple orchard? There's all kinds of rocking chairs in there. They're unfinished. Well, who likes to paint stuff? Moi. I like it to be my personal touch. <clears throat> uh, Caleb and Matt will attest to the fact that that is the only skill that I have. But I'm a really good painter. But I got no, I got nothing other than that. There's nothing in the, there's no toolboxes. There's no tools in my toolbox. So we, they say 119 bucks. The other chairs are 229 bucks. And so Tammy, God bless you. You are learning from your husband. She says to the lady, would you take 99 bucks for those? She goes, because we're going to buy two. You were, that was like, mm. I looked at you in a whole different way that morning. <laughs> so the lady initially says, no, I can't do that. And it's like, that's cool, because we're going to get them for 119. We're going to save 200 bucks on these chairs. And uh, this lady comes back and she goes, you know what? I really like you guys. She goes, I'll give you both of them for 99 bucks. So another 40 bucks. So we end up saving. Why? Because we didn't allow demonic thoughts. Of <laughs> we just said, hey, let's roll with this thing and see what it plans out. And what did God do? He can't help himself. He loves to bless his children. He brought us into what she wanted for her birthday, and we saved 250 bucks in the process. Now, that might not sound big to you. Sounded big to me. That's right. I didn't have to take Lavelle's $100 bill out of my wallet. Hallelujah. That's another sermon. And how's the third way sound? When God speaks, he's always speaking something in you that's going to make you better. Now, what he says to you, it might be something you need to deal with.
but he confidently shares something with you to where you know he's with you. How many of you love it when God's with you? I mean, I loved it in 1988 when I got the prophetic word that said you'd be overseas and back again. So when I feared to get on the airplane, I had that word to hold on to. And I got on regardless. And now I've flown hundreds of thousands of miles since that time. The assurance of God. It's an encouragement. It's encouragement to you, but that encouragement usually is for somebody else. It's about service. It's about doing something for somebody else. It's about giving. God is, is always saying, I can build my kingdom. I need you to give, to do, to be. And so the other thing that he always says when he speaks to me is how much he loves me. How much he loves me. So that's what happens when we're still. And then the last thing is this. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, it says, And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. When we walk out the things that God shows us in his word or when he speaks to us directly, then I have found that he does amazing exploits in and through me. And either way, I'm fine with either one. I choose, listen to this, I choose to protect his words with my life. With my life. With my life. I will protect God's word. I won't go down for anything, but I will go down for his word. I will go down for what he has showed me. I will do whatever he wants me to do because I will protect the word of God. So listen, it's not as difficult as you think it is. But you've got to put yourself into a place to where you can hear his voice and then after you hear it, it's not enough to hear it. You have to obey it. And when you begin obeying God's word, would you stand with me? When you begin to obey God's word, your life becomes 100% different. He continues to do it time and time again. Once he knows you're listening, he knows he's captured your attention, he knows he has your heart, he continues to speak to you over and over and over again. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I really want it to, to hear God's voice. If you already are a practicer, be like me. I want to hear it again and again. I want to hear it more than I've... I, I need it more today than I needed it yesterday. I know that there's many of you, you're transitioning in some piece of your life. You might be 15 or 16. You might be 46 or 56. We're all moving. We're not stagnant. But wouldn't it be nice to have an assurance that God is leading you in the way that you need to go? Wouldn't it be nice to have an assurance that God is with you? He's not left or forsaken you? How many of you today would say, Pastor, I want to hear the voice of God. Just lift your hand right, right where you are. Lift it high because I don't want God to miss you. Okay? I don't care about me. This isn't about me. I'm already hearing God's voice. 
I already know God speaks. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my right hand, my bad shoulder. There you go. That's how bad I want to hear from God. Oh, my gosh. Ah, yes. I want to hear from you, God. Father, you see. Keep your hand up. Just keep your hand up. Wave at him. I'm here. I'm here. Father, these people and me, us, we, we want to hear your voice. We want to hear that direction. We want to hear that well done. We want to hear that move left and not right. We want to hear my angels protected you. We want to hear, oh, go this way and, and this will come your way. We want to hear that we have no idea where what you're going to say will take us, but we're going to do it anyway because we know you said it. Father, I just pray that we as a congregation, that each of us individually, that we would carve out that time to, to worship you, to set ourselves in that position to hear from you. Father, today we ask, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us in the same way that even you revealed yourself to Cornelius and Peter in Acts chapter 10. Your angels spoke. Jesus, you spoke. It says the Spirit spoke. Whatever method, whether it's a vision, a dream, a prophetic word, whatever you want to use, Lord, we choose to be open to that. And Father, today, as we ask for you to speak to us, Father, today we choose to turn a corner in our lives and we say, Father, help us to be obedient to whatever you show us. Because we know your word says that obedience is even greater than sacrifice. And Father, I want to be obedient to you. Father, we have no idea what tomorrow has in store for us, but we know who holds tomorrow in his hands. And we know that is you. So, Father, today, watch over us. Keep us. Speak to us in that way that you so amazingly speak. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us to be those people that understand Proverbs 20, 12 that says you've given us those eyes to see and these ears to hear from you in heavenly places. Father, we just thank you that we can know that this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, help us to face every day, not in the name of what it is, but in the purpose that it has. Father, speak to us even at this moment. Just be still for a moment. I know your stomachs are growling. I get it. I understand that. But what if, what if God wanted to speak to you right now? Let's just practice a moment of being still before the Lord. Father, we thank you for the ability to have our outreach to the community tonight. 
Father, I pray that for everyone who's going to be here, that you would give them a discerning spirit, that when people come to them and are broken and have a need, that we will introduce them to you. That, Father, that you would help us to pursue love first, and that we would love each and every person that comes through these doors tonight. Father, I thank you, God, for this opportunity, and I pray, God, that for those who will be here and those who are still wondering if they're going to come tonight, I pray we would all come and all take the opportunity to hear the voice of God, to minister to other people. So, Father, we pray that somebody would get saved, somebody would get healed, somebody's life would be transformed, somebody would be encouraged tonight by what we're doing as we gather together. Father, I thank you for this congregation and the amazing, wonderful, and incredible people that you have brought to Redeemer's Church. I pray, God, this day and every day that they would come to the place of hearing your voice and being obedient to move in the direction that you call us to. Father, this wasn't a series I just picked because I didn't have anything else to do. This was a series that was picked because of the importance of the hour we live in, in being able to hear your voice. And so, Father, direct us, lead us, and guide us into those pathways of righteousness for your name's sake. And, Father, we just give you praise in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.